um, and we're going to be looking at the topic, Discovering Yourself. Um, and today is the part one. Um, we're going to be looking specifically at knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing who you are in Christ. One of our pillars um, is discovery of purpose, right? Discovery of purpose. Um, and before you can discover your purpose, you need to discover who you are first, right? Um, so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, so I encourage you, pay close attention. Um, God has a word for you today, and you will not miss it in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for today. We appreciate you. There is none like you, blessed Redeemer. Holy Spirit, we have come to meet with you. We pray, oh God, that you will open up your word to us in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us behold wondrous things from your word this afternoon in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that the seed of your word, Lord, will produce great results in our lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you the praise forevermore. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. So, introduction. When we are born again, our identity becomes rooted in Christ and his, and his righteousness. So when you and I, when we give our lives to Christ, our identity is deeply rooted in Christ and his righteousness. Which means that you and I cannot define who we are. We cannot find ourselves outside of Christ as born again Christians. When we are looking to define the meaning of life and why we are here and who we are, we need to look to Christ. Um, Galatians 2.20, New Living Translation says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. That is where I derive my identity from. That's what the scripture is trying to say, right? It's no longer I, I'm not living for myself. It is Christ who is living in me. So, it continues on to say that if I, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as children of God, our identity is rooted in Jesus and his righteousness. So that is the foundation that every one of us need to understand. We cannot find meaning. We can't find purpose. We can't define who we are in Christ without looking and understanding, you know, what Christ has done for us because it's all centered around Christ. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Now, I want you to note here, it didn't say all that is related to the old order is changed. It didn't say all that is related to the old order is refurbished or is, is transformed into something else. It is gone. It is removed and replaced by a new nature. Right? So, behold, everything is fresh. So it's asking like, okay, though we know you've given your life to Christ, you know, yes, uh, Christ is living on the inside of you. But we need to be awakened to that consciousness of who we are now in Christ. You're a completely new creation. The creature that came, you know, wherever it is you give your life to Christ, maybe in church or like in, in just by yourself, that old man is gone. That nature is completely replaced by a new nature. And it says here, be old. Everything is fresh and new. To be old means to be awakened to the consciousness of something. 
Um, how many of us were here um, last week Sunday? Yeah? And we got the Father's blessings, right? Let's appreciate PWA. Come on. That was amazing. That was a life-changing service here, right? And after that service, um, he prayed for us, and he told us, you know, go to as many people as you can find and declare to them, um, I'm a blessed man, right? Many of us did it. And he said, you know, if you can't find anybody, go to the street and just declare, tell as many people as you can. One of the reasons why that is very important is to awaken you to that consciousness so you don't forget, right? And I can assure you, I saw the physical manifestation of it on Monday morning, right? So... Something happened, I think, for the past two months now, there's, you know, a transaction that, you know, we've been trying to do myself and my brother, right? And it's always been one thing after the other, right? You know, it's going to be bring this, bring that, and, you know, why we're just like, you know, we're almost there, oh, it's going to get done today, then something else comes up. So on the Monday, um, the lawyer involved, we got everything ready, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this on Monday, right? Everything is sorted, done. And the lawyer called again, like, oh, yeah, this document you have is not going to be accepted. You have to move for a new one, get a new one. And then we asked around and all that, the new one is going to cost money, a lot of money, right? And I started going back and forth, you know, calling people, calling companies and stuff, and it was just very frustrating. Then I remembered, wait a minute, I'm a blessed man, right? The blessing of God is upon me. So I picked up the phone, called her back and told her, you know what? I don't have another document to give. That same document is what we've been using before now, right? Submit it. And let's see what they say. And she said, no, I'm telling you, this will not be accepted. It will be very strange if they accept this. From my experience, I'm telling you as the one that knows, like, this is my area. It is not possible. I said, just submit it, right? Worst case scenario, you know, it is delayed again. And I know it's going to cost us money, but submit it and let's see. That was Monday. Tuesday, I didn't hear anything back. Wednesday, I got an email saying congratulations, right? That is what a blessing can do when you walk in the consciousness. Yes, appreciate God. But the truth of the matter is, what I want to point to us is, you can be standing in front of a door that is locked and you have the key. If you don't know you have the key, you're going to be stranded just as somebody else doesn't have the key. Right? So we have to walk in that consciousness. It says, behold, everything is fresh and new. You're a new being, but you have to walk in the consciousness. So, another question is, you know, the scripture here is saying that, you know, everything is new. New life has begun. So, what part of our lives is new? Right? So, is it the body? Is it um, the soul? Is it the spirit? Um, man is made up of three components. We have uh, the body, right? Uh, first, man is a spirit. Let me start from there, right? Man is a spirit. You, the real you is a spirit. You live inside the body, right? Our bodies are what gives us the legitimacy to operate here on earth. And we have a soul. Our soul is the seat of our mind, our emotions, and our will. Right? So, which part of this, you know, is saved when we give our lives to Christ? I know for sure it's not, it is not our bodies, right? So, you know, imagine if somebody you saw yesterday just shows up and they've lost 30 pounds, you know, they're now ripped, six packs, and you say, oh, I, what happened overnight? Like, oh, I just gave my life to Christ. I'm a new person now, a new body. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? 
right? If that was a thing, like, you know, this place would be all churches across the world would be packed end to end, right? But no, you still have your body. You know, your shape is still your shape after you give your life to Christ. If you want to change it, then you have to get a gym membership, right? And we know it is not our soul, it's not, you know, our emotions does not change necessarily yet when we give our lives to Christ, right? When you give your life to Christ, you don't just become, you know, a saint, you don't become humble, you don't become meek, and, you know, somebody slaps you, and I'm like, oh, yeah, here's the second chick. You know, so, no, right? If somebody slaps you, like, you still, the thing is to just knock their lights out, it's still in you, right? So it is not the soul that changes. What changes is the spirit, it is our spirit man that becomes new. That old sin nature in us is removed, is completely destroyed at new birth, and is replaced with a new spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17, if you can give uh, me uh, 1 Corinthians 6.17 in ESV, this English standard version, please. It says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Right? He was joined with the Lord. So here, um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, you know, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, and here it's saying, if he was joined with the Lord. So the same thing, right? You become one spirit with him. So that is what changed at new birth. When you accept Christ and you join yourself to Christ, the powerful change that takes place is that you become one spirit. Your spirit is one with that of Christ. That is where the new identity is born, right? That's why we call it, you know, you're born again. Amen. So, with a new identity, we have a renewed purpose in life. That's another thing that we need to understand as a foundation for understanding who we are. When you have a new identity, Jesus Christ gives us a new purpose. First um, Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world, right? So the, the last final part tells us why, the purpose for which Christ redeemed you and I is so that we will broadcast God's glorious wonder through, throughout the world, right? Through whatsoever assignment it gives to us. So when we become born again, our new identity means that we have a new purpose in life. When God saves a sinner, it makes them a new person, right? And gives, and we're going to get an example um, shortly. Um, the case of um, Saul, right? So the case study will be the conversion of Saul. Uh, most of you probably know him as, you know, Paul, Paul the Apostle. But he used to be the worst of the worst of the worst criminals, right? And um, Acts chapter 9 from verse 1 to 20, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to summarize. Before um, Song of Tarsus, before he met with Christ, before he had an encounter with God on his way to, on his way to Damascus, it was an ardent determined enemy of Jesus Christ, right? It was actively seeking out Christians to put them in prison or kill them. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter um, 8, right, when they killed Stephen. Uh, it says Stephen was stoned, and the Bible recorded that Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. 
So that's how much you can use the word hate. He hated Christianity. He hated and actively sought to destroy the followers of Christ. So, after his experience on his way to Damascus, he became a different person entirely, right? And we'll read some of the verses now, you know, just, you know, to, to help you understand. You know, he, he started preaching the same Jesus that he was persecuting and killing people for. He started preaching and he became the greatest missionary in the early church. Jesus Christ gave him a new purpose in life. Acts, in Acts 1, um, verse 1 to 22, you know, everything that Saul was taught was that, you know, Christianity is wrong. And he put, his life's purpose was to correct that wrong, you know, called Christianity. But when he met with Christ, he gave his life to Christ, he had an encounter with God, and he received a new purpose. Verse 20, you can give me verse 20, he says, Within the hour, so what happened was, you know, he fell off the donkey, you know, God spoke to him, um, he, he became blind, right? And God sent Ananias to pray for him. So Ananias went there to pray for him, and he received his sight. In verse 20 here, the Bible is telling us, within the hour, it was in the synagogue. The person that was just, you know, killing people left, right, and center, killing Christians, he went into the synagogue, and he was preaching about Jesus and proclaiming, Jesus is the Son of God. This was like, this was impossible. People found it hard to believe that you, Saul, preaching about Jesus, that is what God can do when we give our lives to Christ. We have a new identity that comes with a new purpose. Right? Verse 21 says, Those who heard him were astonished, saying among themselves, Isn't this Saul who furiously persecuted those in Jerusalem who called on the name of Jesus? Didn't he come here with permission from the high priest to drag them off and take them as prisoners? People, they did not believe. But that is what God can do. The greatest antagonist of Christian faith became the greatest missionary. Right? Paul wrote 13 epistles. Right? That we're still reading and studying today. That's how impactful his life was. He went from city to city, from town to town, preaching the gospel. He became the greatest asset in the kingdom of God. Now, another thing I want to point our attention to is, remember I said, you know, when we give our life to Christ, our soul is not necessarily transformed, it's not changed, right? You're still, your emotions are still your emotion. The way that changes is by renewing our minds, right? We renew our minds through the word of God. And, you know, verse 22 of Acts chapter 9 points us to that because, you know, sometimes when we read that, hey, you know, Saul got saved, he became, you know, Paul, he just went into the synagogue, be began to preach, and, you know, it's just like that, automatic. No, it's not, right? The Bible still recorded that, as with everybody else, Saul had to go through the process of renewing his mind. Verse 22 says, Saul's power increased greatly as he became more and more proficient in proving that Jesus was the anointed Messiah. You can't become more and more proficient in proving that Jesus is the anointed Messiah without studying the word, right? So we need to continually study the word to renew our mind. The desire, the sinful nature is gone, yes, but we need to replace that. We need to rewire our minds to think differently, all right? It's like you have the hardware, which is our body, but the soul needs to be reprogrammed. It's not automatic. Praise God. So... 
when we give our lives to Christ, we have a new purpose. To make a difference and fulfill your destiny, you must understand who you are and how God sees you. I mentioned in the beginning, you cannot discover and walk in your purpose without understanding who you are, first and foremost. So, the first question we're going to ask ourselves today is, who are you? Who are you? You were a servant of sin, a child of the devil, but now you have been delivered from sin and its passion, right? Anyone who has not given their life to Christ consciously is a child of the devil. Yeah, I know, I see the look of concern on your face, but it's, it's, it's not me, right? It's, it's what the Bible says. Let's look at it. 1 John 3, 8, Amplified. It says, the one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offering him, and offending him, sorry, by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. So there's no sitting on the fence. There's no, oh yeah, you know, I'm not into the God thing, but I'm not, a child, I'm not into the devil thing, I'm just on the fence. No. Right? Whoever practices sin is of the devil, is a child of the devil. So if, you know, unlike the look of concern on your face, right? So once they announce voice of one, Voice of one, for those that don't know, is an opportunity for us to go out and evangelize and speak to people about Christ, right? I'm, I'm hoping you would, you know, take that concern and put it into action. We need to speak to people about Christ, witness to them, because there's a lot at stake. Lives are at stake. Amen. So, what God has done for us is to deliver us from sin and its passion. And we just looked at how he did it, right? You know, at new birth, it removes that sin nature from us. Right? And it gives us a new nature that is one with Christ. Romans 16, 17 to 18, TPT says, And thanks be to the Lord, to the, to, thanks be to God, for in the past you were servants of sin, but now your obedience is art deep and your life is being molded by truth through the teaching you were de devoted to, right? You were servants of sin, not because of, you know, the things that, you know, you did, you and I did, right? You know, being servants of sin just meant that we had no control over sin, right? When somebody who has not been saved, when they sin, it's not just an action they take. That action is born out of the nature that is in them. They can't act any different, right? The nature of sin is there. And they have to act out the works that, that, you know, that, that aligns with that nature. So the actions were born out of the nature. So what happens when we give our lives to Christ? Verse 18 says, And now you celebrate your freedom from your former master, sin. So as children of God, sin is no longer your master. Come on, declare it. Say to somebody beside you, sin is no longer my master. Sin is no longer my master. So you need to understand, as a child of God, sin does not have power over you, right? So when the revelation of having been delivered from sin becomes a reality in your life, old habits, the habits of the old man is going to disappear. Those desires will no longer be there, right? As you renew your mind daily, reading the word of God, your desires, the things you have affirmation for will begin to change. 
And I know some people are thinking, yeah, you know, I've given my life to Christ for a bit, but, you know, I still struggle with, you know, a few things here and there. That's fine. The word is you're still struggling, right? You're still struggling. But the truth of the word of God is that sin is no longer your master. We'll get to, like, the, 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 the practical parts, you know, in a bit, right? And I promise I'll tell you, if you're in that situation, if you're here, you're saying, like, you know, yes, I still struggle with this. I don't like it. I don't want to live this way. But I still struggle. I find myself in this circle where I do it, I feel bad, I repent, and I still keep doing it. I can't help myself. There is a way out, right? And we look at that, I promise you, um, you know, the actions that you can take to break that circle of sin. But according to the word of God, sin is no longer your master as a child of God. Romans 8, 3, 4, right? So how can we be sure, Ringy, that sin is no longer my master, right? How can we be sure? How is this possible? Romans 8.3, it's not on my slides, but um, Romans 8.3, um, New Living Translation, please. It says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So it's, it's not something that you can, uh, um, you know, make a New Year resolution, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, that's why those things fail, because it's not, yeah, it's, it's about the nature. So it's not about following a set of rules. The law cannot help. Bible is saying here, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. Praise God. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. So Jesus Christ came in uh, this, this same body that you and I have. Jesus Christ had it when he was here. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. So Jesus Christ died in our place as our sin substitute. He did this so that this requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. We no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross in my place and your place, he puts an end to sin's control over us. Say to your neighbor again, sin is no longer my master. Satan's authority over my life has been destroyed. Man. Number two, you were being taken captive, afflicted, and dehumanized by, at will by the devil. Right? So if somebody is, is, is a child of the devil, um, a servant to sin, of course. Right? Demons can come and, and, and harass them and oppress them anytime, any day, without any restrictions. But as children of God, we've been delivered from the power of the darkness and translated into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God did for you and I. When we gave our life to Christ, he took us from the kingdom of darkness and he translated us into the kingdom of God. Is anybody grateful that they've been delivered? Is anybody grateful that they're in the kingdom of God? Come on, let's appreciate God. Yeah. God is amazing. Like, it's, the love is just, and he did this all without any guarantee that you and I will accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. While we were yet sinners, you know, Christ died. Christ has already died for everyone. It's just a question of if they will accept it or not. So, the person that can be afflicted before, like, that is no longer you, right? 2 Timothy 2.26, it says, 
then they will come to their senses and escape from Satan's trap of slavery to sin, which he uses to catch them whenever he likes. And then, it can, and then they can begin to do the will of God. So that person that is under the sway of the enemy, it's no longer you. You are not there anymore. Jesus Christ has rescued you. Right? You are now seated in heavenly places, far above principalities and power. The devil cannot reach you where you are. You are seated with Christ. You are untouchable by the devil now. You don't have to be scared of him no more. Right? You've been rescued from the domain of the power of darkness and brought into to enjoy the privileges and the benefits of the kingdom of God. Number three, you were once alien to the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, but are now sons and daughters, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus, and thereby made entitled to all divine blessings. First Peter 2, from verse 9 to 10, it says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. For you to show others the goodness of God, that means your life will be filled with the goodness of God. That is what God has made available, right? Jesus Christ died to make the goodness, all spiritual blessings. He deposited it in you. At new birth. So you're special. You are God's very, very own possession. So that is who you are. It says once you had no identity, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Tell somebody, I have received God's mercy. God's favor is upon my life. Amen. Number four, quickly, he says, Satan outdrew an authority over you since you lost your first position due to sin. So remember we said, you know, anyone who is yet to give their life to Christ, you know, they are children of the devil, not just because of what they are doing, not just because of the acts, but because of the nature, right? And Satan is the god of this world. It's the god of this world as a result of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, in the book of, um, Eden, in the book of Genesis, right? So, Satan had rule and authority, which he still does for those that are not in Christ. Satan has rule and authority over the world, right? So, you know, yeah, anything can happen, right? So when people say, oh, anything can happen to anybody, not you, that you're in Christ, right? You know, you're not under the sway of the devil. Anything cannot happen to you. But now, the new you is restored from that former position of being subject to the rule and authority of the, of, of the devil, you now bear rule, power, dominion, and authority over Satan and his court. Luke 10, 19. says, listen carefully. I have given you authority. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I have given you authority that you now possess. So you and I, as far as you've given your life to Christ, this authority is not reserved for, you know, just pastors alone or from, for, for some special people. It's reserved for every child of God. And we'll get to that in a minute, right? As far as you're a child of God, you have authority over Satan. It says you have the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise that authority. So he has given us the authority and also gave us the power to exercise that authority over the power of the enemy, Satan. And nothing will in any way harm you. 
This is God speaking. He says, nothing will in any way. This is what I've made available to you. You have the right, you have the authority, you have the power over the devil. So as new creations, we have been put in a position of power and authority. Right? So we have to walk in the consciousness of that. That is who you are. It is a position that God has delegated to you through the sacrifice of Jesus. So what Jesus did, he secured this, he secured all the authority in heaven and on earth. So Jesus Christ came, he died. He died a gruesome death in my place and in your place, right? The Bible says the soul that sins shall die. He died, and because he died, he went to hell. Defeated the devil in hell. He defeated the devil in his own domain, right? He recaptured that authority that man lost in the Garden of Eden. He came back with it, and he handed it over back to us. Hallelujah. He handed it over back to you and I, right? And how am I sure that, yeah, he actually handed it over to you and I? John 1, 12, and before it says, but as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. So if you're a child of God, you have the authority. Tell your neighbor, I have the authority. I have the authority. So what are we to do with this authority? James 4, 7 says, so submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he will flee from you. So you and I have a responsibility. God has given you and I the power and the authority to stand against Satan and all his works, all his demons. But you and I have to exercise that authority. Right? The, the weapons, the authority is there. But if you don't do anything with it, Jesus Christ is not going to come down here to the earth and fight your battles for you. No, he has equipped you. He has equipped you with his word. He has equipped you with his name. So it is worthless if you will not take your position of authority and assume responsibility and engage the devil. Right? It shouldn't be, you know, you're in the house, your own house, all by yourself, and you hear like, you know, a creaking sound, and boom, you're under the bed, right? Till the next morning, like, oh yeah, I don't know what's out there. In your own house. When the Bible says, the foreigners will hear my voice, and they will come out frightened from their hidden places. So it's the devil and his demons that should be frightened, not you. Right? You and I need to stand firm. You have the power. You need to stand firm and run Satan out of, out of his affairs. The Bible says he's roaming around like a wounded lion, looking for womb to devour. I like that verse of scripture because it cannot devour everybody. It's looking for woo. It's looking for woo, we accept it. So if there's an activity of Satan that you're seeing around you, the question is, are you going to sit around and just watch it? Right? Because that's what he's looking for. He's looking for whom he would devour. He cannot do it to everybody. So if you give him the space, he's going to make himself comfortable. All right? So you cannot be silent. You can't be silent. You know, the devil cannot be whispering things to you like, oh, yeah, you know, um, you, know you feel that exam again. See? No, you're, you're a failure. And you just keep quiet. Oh, you know, things are going well for you right now, but you know, just be careful. It's not always like that. You have to speak the word of God back to the devil. You can't just sit there and take it. God has given you the authority. You have to engage. Tell your neighbor, engage. 
engage. You have to quote, quote the scripture. You know, Psalm 37, verse 37, you don't have to quote it, you know, verbatim, the way it's written there. Just the way you understand it, say something back. Your words are powerful, right? You know, whatsoever the devil is saying, just say, for me, for me, James O'Neill, it's going to be a different story. That is what God has said, right? I have a wonderful future with a happy ending. I don't care what is going on out there with other people. I don't care how many people are failing. I don't care. I know, yes, the economy is this, is that, but people are still buying houses. People are still changing jobs, right? And I don't know for anybody else, but what I know is what God has said to me, that I have a wonderful future with a happy ending. Concerning this situation, this job I'm looking for, I, it's not going to end. The only way it ends is if I am happy. The ending has to be happy for me. That is the word of God. You can't take the word of the devil as the last word over you. The devil cannot be the one dictating, telling you how your future will turn out, and you're afraid and you're scared and you're acting on that. The joker that he has no say in his own future. And he wants to decide your own future, a child of God. Right? He has no say in his own future. Revelation 20:10 says the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are. And they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. That is his own end. He cannot change it. So it's time for you and I to stand up. It's time for you and I to stand up and be who God says you are. You need to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. Right? So the question is, how does God see you? How does God see you and I now? Right? So the first step to knowing how God sees you and I is for you to come next week. <laughs> Praise God. Let's rise to our feet. Yes, let's appreciate God. Let's appreciate God for that word. Let's rise to our feet. First thing this afternoon, I want to give somebody an opportunity, right? You know, we've talked about the amazing benefits, um, you know, who we are right now in Christ. You know, we've been delivered, we've been saved, we are joint heir with Christ. All the blessings of God, all the blessings of the kingdom are available to us. We don't have to do life alone. We have Christ living on the inside of us as believers. If you're not a believer, if you have not consciously at any point in your life, you know, made the decision to give your life to Christ, this does not apply to you. But I have good news for you. That can change right now in a few moments, right? All you have to do if you're out there, if you're watching online, you're here in person, and you want to give your life to Christ. You want God, you want God to remove that sin nature. That, you know, sin nature that is giving the devil an inroad into your life, allowing him to have control over you, allowing you to, him to have control over your actions, your emotions. You can put an end to that right here, right now. I'm going to invite you, just place your hand on your chest if you want to say that prayer. If you're here in person, trust me, don't care about anybody looking at you, um, you know, to your left or to your right. If they are wise as well, they must have made that decision at one point in their life. If you're watching online and you want to say that prayer, put your hand on your chest. Whatever hand is fine. Um, as far as it's safe for you to do, do so, if you're not driving, if you're not operating any heavy machinery, we'll say a word of prayer with you. Just repeat after me and mean it with all of your hearts. And Ignite Church, let's join them. You know, this is a special moment. Let's, you know, join them um, as a family. Heavenly Father, I come before you today 
I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. And on the third day, he rose again. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Give me the grace to live a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to God's family. Congratulations. If you said that prayer, congratulations. Welcome. So I want you to text SAVED to the number on the screen. Um, you know, it's for us to um, send some materials to you to get started in this exciting journey um, that you're on or that the step you've, you've taken today is going to change your life, it's going to transform your life, and we just want the privilege to be part of that. So, you know, fill the form that will be sent to you and we'll send you some materials. If you're here in person, I would encourage you, and the ushers are moving around, um, you know, fill the card they give to you, they'll give you the material here in person, right here, right now, and if you're online, we'll send it to you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Uh, and I, I promised, you know, if you're here, uh, you know, you have, you know, anyone, there's you know, something you're struggling with, you know, that you know, just seems to be going in circles, um, the recommendation is not something spooky, it actually requires work. So, Christianity and responsibility, they go hand in hand. There is a message um, Peter B.A. preached about three years ago now, it's called Breaking the Circle of Sin. It's a three-part series. If you are here and, you know, that applies to you, I would strongly encourage you, right? I, I can't tell you what to do. We're all adults, but sit down with this. It will change your life. Take it from me, right? Um, we don't have en enough time for me to, you know, break everything down here again for you, but it is available on our YouTube channel, right? Um, H.O. Praise, that is the title right there, three-part series. Sit down with it. Start from this night. Sit, live in those messages for the next seven days and apply it to yourself. You know, there are some very practical steps that you should take there and it will change your life and God bless you as you do so in Jesus' name. So that's it right there. Um, so anybody ready today to confront the enemy? I don't know about you, but man, I'm, I'm tired. I need to see some results, right? Right, I need to see some results. Some things need to move. James 4, 7 says, so submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil, stand firm against him and he will flee from you. Come and lift your voice and first just say, thank God for this word. Thank God for the authority that he has given you. Thank you for the authority he has given you to tread upon snakes and scorpions and over every power of the enemy. Just appreciate God. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Thank him because through the sacrifice of Jesus, you can call him Father. Thank him because the authority that he has given to you, you can exercise it. He has given you the power to exercise that authority. Let's appreciate him. Let's thank God. Let him hear from you. Let's thank him. Father, we give you all the glory. Thank you, O oh God, for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you, O oh God, for the authority and the power that you have given to me so that I can live above every adversity, every plan, and every device of the enemy. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because I am seated in high places far above every principalities and powers. I give you the glory, Heavenly Father. There is none like you. For in Jesus' mighty name, we're prayed. Amen. So, next prayer point here is every plan of the kingdom of darkness that is injuring me from my next level of glory. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of this level. So, if you don't have a prayer point, you know, you're not looking for any next level of glory. My name again is James Onguri. So, just, you know, help me, right? So, the prayer point is, Father, every plan of the kingdom of darkness that is injuring me from entering my next level of glory, I command you be rendered powerless in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to pray. 
Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, your word says that we should resist the devil and it will flee. I take authority over every plan of the kingdom of darkness, every plan, every devices of the kingdom of darkness that is keeping me at this present level, that is blocking me from moving to my next level of glory. Father God, I take authority over you, foul demonic spirits. I command you, be rendered powerless in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, I pray. Every activity of the kingdom of darkness, injuring me from entering my next level of glory in my life, in my academics, in my career, in my business, in my relationships. I take authority over you. Be rendered powerless in the mighty name of Jesus. There is no space for you. An end has come to your activity over my life. Today, in the mighty name of Jesus. Ignite church. Pray, 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 pray. Pray, ask God. Ask, confront the devil. You're not asking God, you're confronting the enemy. Speak to that situation. Tell that situation how big your God is. Confront the enemy. Ask him, send him back in today. Command him. The only language the devil understands is violence. The violence will take it by force. You have to take it by force today. That next level is available. That promotion you are looking for is available in Christ. That house, that house, that, you know, that, that, that financial provision you are trusting God for, it is available. Ask the devil to take his dirty hands of your testimony. Don't let the enemy sell you a lie. You don't have time. Now, 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 whatever it is you are looking for, the Bible says that you have a wonderful future with a happy ending. Pray, ask God. The time for it is now. The devil has to give way. Devil, I command you, Satan. Take your dirty hands off. Take your dirty hands off my testimonies. Take your dirty hands off my name of glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For in Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Haggai 2 verse 9, he says, The future glory of this temple, put your name there, the future glory of James Ongori will be greater than his past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Declare it, the future glory of my, you know, whatever it is you're trusting God for, or not, of your career, of your business, um, of your academics, of your relationship, of your marriage, of your children, whatsoever it is, begin to declare it. The future glory of my life, everything that pertains to me, will be greater than the, my past glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, Makuzi Prato Naroma Kuzia. The future glory, Narema Aprato Satin Naroma Kuzia Naya. Marene Prato Ji Endenia. Spiritually, my future glory will be greater than my past glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, Mane Prato Zi Endenia Kajanaya. Oh, academically, my future glory will be greater than my past glory in the mighty name of Jesus. In my marriage, my marriage, the future glory of my marriage will be greater than the past glory. The future glory of my finances will be greater than the past glory. I will not know a better yesterday. 
Nobody in my family will know a better yesterday. I will continue to go from glory to glory. I will continue to go from strength to strength. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today. We appreciate you. There is none like you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because you are a God that answers prayers. Thank you, O oh God, Heavenly Father, because we know that every prayer that we have raised concerning any issue in this place today, you have heard us and we've received the answers to our petitions in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we take authority according to your word. You have given us the authority over every power of the enemy. So I decree every activity of the kingdom of darkness preventing anyone here from moving to their next level, from experiencing the glory that you have prepared for us. I take authority over you. Be destroyed in the mighty name of Jesus. The hold of the kingdom of darkness today is broken in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, heavenly Father, we pray, oh God, even as we go into this week, we pray that we'll have testimonies upon testimonies in the mighty name of Jesus. Things will happen so fast, we'll not be able to catch up in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, heavenly Father. We give you the praise forevermore. There is none like you, blessed Redeemer. For in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, ignite your Give God some praise.